BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. 75% of Californians are prepared to shelter in place for as long as needed to fight COVID-19. That, according to a new poll by the California Health Foundation that's been checking in with state residents since mid-March. Christoph Stramekis is with the foundation. He says African-American and Asian-American respondents were even more likely to approve of extending the stay-at-home order if necessary. Almost 90% among both both of those groups, which just tells you that, you know, sort of regardless of your race or ethnicity, uh, regardless of your age, regardless of your income, there is very strong support for this uh, throughout California. The poll also shows more than half of Californians are willing to share personal information with local and state governments if it helps with contact tracing, which could slow the pandemic. In the community of Yucaipa in San Bernardino County, 20 people have died from coronavirus, 18 of them from a single-skilled nursing facility. At Cedar Mountain Post-Acute Rehabilitation, more than 100 staff and residents have also tested positive for COVID-19. It's just one startling example of how the coronavirus has ravaged such facilities, their residents, and the people who work at them. KQED Politics Editor Scott Schaefer spoke to the president of the union representing those long-term care workers. April Verrett leads SEIU Local 2015, whose nearly 400,000 members are home health care workers and staff in skilled nursing facilities. And she says thousands of them and their patients have tested positive for COVID-19. While she applauds the state for working to get the personal protective equipment or PPEs that they need, there is still a lot to be done, especially in smaller rural counties. Just the stories that I hear from our members who have had to literally use garbage bags and rags in in lieu of medical grade PPE, it's astonishing, it's sad, and it makes me really angry. Verrett is calling for every nursing home patient and worker to be tested for the coronavirus and COVID-19 immediately in order to slow the deadly spread of the virus. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. As we've reported on this pandemic, we've been checking in with healthcare workers. And today we'll hear from a midwife. Some pregnant mothers who want to avoid hospitals during the pandemic are turning to freestanding birth centers. These facilities offer midwife care in a home-like environment. Last month, Pacifica Family Maternity Center in Berkeley received three times as many inquiries as usual. Jessamine Meyerhoff is a midwife there. She says the new protocols are a big adjustment for staff and mothers. 
the first birth that I remember doing since this all started was super surreal because we were also not used to using the masks and having gloves on all the time. And we were like standing six feet away from this woman who's in labor. Meyerhoff says they couldn't socially distance during labor, but it was a much more hands-off experience. Some mothers have switched from hospitals to birth centers right before delivering, so they may be meeting these midwives for the first time. She'd never met any of us in person before because we had done one virtual visit with her and one phone call. Luckily, I was the person who had done her virtual visit, so she had actually seen my face before, you know, having it be covered by the mask. Our whole style practice is shifting. Like, care typically includes a lot of hands-on. We palpate people's bellies, and the vast majority of the visits that we're doing are via FaceTime or GoToMeeting, and so we don't have that physical hands-on contact with people, both the babies and the moms, and, and that feels really strange. Meyerhoff says the midwives do touch both the moms and babies when they need to, but there's a lot less physical contact right now during labor and prenatal visits. This audio diary was produced by KQED science reporter Leslie McClurg. Many of us haven't been able to get to work during the pandemic. That includes scientists who've been shut out of their laboratories and research facilities. But here and there, research is continuing. At Scripps Oceanographic Institution in La Jolla, some staff are still at work on a more than 100-year-old project to sample the daily temperature and salinity of the ocean. Melissa Carter is the director of the Shore Stations program. So it requires going out to the end of the pier and then taking a sample bucket putting it just below the surface and collecting a scoop of water, bringing it up, putting a thermometer in the bucket and measuring the temperature. It's that simple. And then for the salinity sample, we fill a bottle of the water and take that back to the lab to be analyzed. And why is it so important to collect these ocean water samples, even during a pandemic? Well, what's really important is whenever you put all these measurements together over time, so we've been collecting these data for over 103 years, is that you can get some long-term understanding of what's happening in the ocean. And what we've seen is that there's a long-term trend in ocean warming of about uh, 2 degrees Fahrenheit. And one other thing that's interesting is that we're finding that the bottom water is potentially warming faster than the surface, meaning that it used to be cooler and now it's getting warmer. I understand you've had few interruptions to the work over the decades, but one time it did stop, at least for a few days, was during another public health crisis about 100 years ago. So we know that there was a pandemic, uh, the Spanish flu, in 1918. And so in the fall of 1918, we know that there were five days that were missed. When San Diego was in the state, they had a very similar thing that happened where they were in a quarantine. So there were five days that were missed then, very similar to the six days that we missed during the first start of our quarantine. So, you know, they were able to continue through that and collect measurements through the rest of, of that year. I wonder if just doing the work gives you and your colleagues there at Scripps some comfort during frightening times? We certainly all have a desire to, you know, to feel that things haven't completely gone awry. But it also is really critical because right now, there is, there are very unique ocean and atmospheric phenomenon that are going on that we want to understand. And so it's really critical to be able to keep uh, these ongoing measurements happening so that we can put those together later when we have a greater ability to do the data analysis. 
I guess your message is, even during a pandemic, we've got to remember other challenges we face, like climate change. Right. And those don't stop just because of a pandemic. All right. Melissa Carter of the Scripps Institution of Oceanography in La Jolla. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you for being interested. This is the first day of Ramadan. Normally at this time, Muslims fast and pray during the day, then feast and celebrate at night for a whole month. But I said normally. KQED's Aditi Bandlamudi reports on how Muslims are refashioning their family gatherings and how they're observing Ramadan during this pandemic. Last year, when Aisha Irfan had just moved to San Francisco to take a job with Airbnb in their public policy department, she went to something called Iftar in the Park. Local Muslims would gather at Golden Gate Park and break fast together. But clearly, that plan is a no-go this year. Now you add on the component of you're living amid a global pandemic, and our families, you know, our friends and families are sick. It's been a rough year for Irfan, especially since cases started spiking in New York. She's from Long Island, and her parents, brother, and sister still live there. I think there was a lot of internalized guilt I was feeling of, like, I should be home. And, like, I moved out here for a job. And if the job is allowing me to be anywhere, how does it make sense to not go home? Some of her friends back east, they're getting sick now. Nobody's been hospitalized yet. Were the circumstances different, she'd be there, helping out. Instead, she's on the other side of the country, in beautiful San Francisco, where she can't even be in the same room with her new social circle. Instead, she's got Zoom. So every night during Iftar time, people have somewhere to go. Something is going on. They have, like, a group of people to, to open their fast with. Iftar refers to the breaking of the fast, after 7 p.m., when you have water and dates a little appetizer ahead of a night-long feast. Irfan registered for a virtual iftar, together with Bay Area Muslims, many of whom she already knows. Under normal circumstances, she might be shy about eating in front of the camera. We've been awake for all these hours, like we're a bit hangry. In my mind, my last priority is like, how do I look on camera? After eating, there'll be time for people to chat, similar to how a normal iftar would go. Irfan has drafted some questions people can ask each other. How is your heart? How is your spiritual state? How is your mental health, given that this is a crazy time? Ever since the shelter-in-place guidelines started, Irfan's noticing she's talking to her friends and family more often than she normally would. I think I FaceTimed with my sister for like an hour and a half the other day, and then I FaceTimed with my mom afterwards, and she was like, you're on the phone with your sister for an hour and a half? Irfan's decided that after all this is over, if she can make it through Eid, the end of Ramadan, and the end of shelter-in-place, she's going to get on the first plane home for a visit. For the California Report, I'm Aditi Bandlamudi. And finally, let's turn now to our sister show, the California Report's weekly magazine. This week, host Sasha Coca is going to tell us about a 19-year-old Oakland artist with a song that's unexpectedly turned into a kind of Gen Z anthem for shelter in place. The song's called Quiet Motions, and it's by singer-songwriter and ukulele player MXM Tune. It's all about slowing down and appreciating the little things at home. Isn't it nice to be all by yourself? Walls don't say words, or secrets they won't tell. These quiet motions, my friend. She's built a kind of a social media empire from the guest room of her parents' house in Oakland. Her recent live stream performances for COVID-19 relief drew in 100,000 viewers. Art 
is one of the most important things we have as humans. And if we can just keep making things that feel like they feed us, we're going to need art through all of this. We'll hear her story and also hear from a poet and an 83-year-old stand-up comedian, all trying to get their work out there and earn a living during this pandemic. So tune into the California Report magazine on this station or download the podcast. Just look for the bear wearing earbuds. And that's the California Report for Friday, April 24th, a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer. Our producers are Raquel Maria Dillon, Kate Wolf, and Mary Franklin Harvin. Angela Corral is our editor. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Have a great weekend and stay well. Support for the California Report comes from Hint Water. Hint is water infused with fruit essences, including watermelon and blackberry. No sugar, no sweeteners, no calories. Available in grocery stores. Hint. Mouth-watering water. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.